Come on, New City Church, how are we? Dude, that was pretty good stuff this morning, man. Thank, thank you, Lisa. Good to have you in the house with the vocals today. That's awesome, awesome. Keith, always. Daniel, always. Pete, thank you very much. Jay, hitting the box thingy. Uh, what do they call that? Cajon? Cajon? I don't know. Something like that. So, I don't know. But uh, yeah, thank you guys very much. Uh, if I, I think I've gotten a chance to meet, we got some new faces in, but my name is Casey. I'm one of the, one of the pastors serving alongside you guys. And uh, man, it is a joy to be back in the house. I know Matt did a great job uh, teaching us last week. Thank you very much, Matt and Miller. Appreciate that. And we, um, we uh, went over to Shawnee and rocked the house in Shawnee. We brought the edge to Shawnee, right? Amen. Yes, it was very, very cool. So if you're joining us online, we are uh, a, a, a church that has multiple locations, but we are one church. Uh, and, and what God has called us to do has been crazy. I, I tell you what, it's been, been stunning that he has called us to have a new city in every city in Kansas City and what that looks like and how that's going to transpire over the next 25, 30, 40, 100,000 years, whatever it's going to be. Uh, man, we're looking forward to seeing what God does day by day, step by step, as he has called us to do that. Amen. And so we as a church, what God has called us here in Edgerton to really emphasize this year is to reach the lost, right? Now, a couple of years ago, he said, take a, take a season of rest. We went into 2020 with saying, hey, the mission field is rested. You've been seven years cultivating, uh, planting, seeding, watering, all that kind of thing. The mission field will rest. We had no idea there was a pandemic coming, but we were ready, amen. And so last year, he said for us to wake up, rise up, and do his work. And we've had, we had several, uh, like a whole bunch of leaders uh, step into some leadership roles, which has been great. So we're kind of in the process, if you will, of even rebuilding. Some people have said, you're kind of replanting the church. Well, yeah, kind of cool. And we're always in a state of replanting and always in a state of rejuvenation. Amen. So uh, if you haven't noticed, we've got several of our leaders that are, after this, after this service, uh, we are going to be cleaning out everything, gutting out everything. But there was a group of youth that from Choctaw, Oklahoma, First Baptist Church of Choctaw, that stayed here over the, over the weekend, helped us. I, like if you haven't seen the dumpster out there, it is full already. So uh, I'm going to be climbing in it after the service and kind of rearranging some stuff. If anybody wants to take pictures, they go, yeah, this guy's going get, gonna to get, uh, go dumpster diving. I'm going dumpster diving after this. So it's going to be fun. But uh, man, join us if you'd like. If you've got a chance to, if you want to get dirty and uh, have, have some fun at the same time. I love throwing stuff away. I don't know about you guys, man. I just love throwing stuff away, like getting, get, it, get it out. You know, these are things, a lot of these things, like over time, people will say things like, um, I, I want to donate to this to the church because maybe the church could use it someday. And it sits outside or sits in a storage area for a long time. So what, we have, what we've done, we've started saying this amazing thing that a lot of people don't say. It's no. Is that cool? We don't need it. I got a couch. Don't need it. That's all right. Don't, we don't, because I know what will happen. It will go into a storage area or clog up something. If I saw, open up these two side rooms, you'd be like, man, you guys got a lot of stuff. But yeah, like we've got, we have cleaned out. So we got storage areas cleaned out. We got all kinds of things cleaned out. And I'm just excited about it. I just want to talk about that the rest of the time. But uh, we do need to talk about Jesus at some point. Is that cool? So here's the thing. We're in this series called 1KC. And what I love about this series is that we've joined about 100 other churches 
that are in this, like this exact same uh, series and what we're doing. We're, we're changing pastors and things like that. And what we decided to do, because we haven't done it in a long time, is that the four campuses that we, campi, campus, campus, campus something like that, the four locations that we have, uh, we're going to switch a ruse. So last week we had Matt Miller here, uh, and I was at uh, at Shawnee, and we changed out the worship team. So it, next week you'll have Pastor Ray Peoples from the Kansas City, Kansas camp campus, which is going to be awesome. He's got a great, great message to give about uh, the the name of Jesus, the I am statements that we're going through. And then following week, you got Pastor Price right. Now, some of you guys remember Pastor Price. Uh, he and his crew were here with us for about a year and a half or so, and we launched them into Raytown, which is, which is an, a, a, like an incredible thing. So it's an urban church that comes out of this church, which is a rural church. I joke all the time that we have cows across the street, and we planted a church with a McDonald's across the street, right? Kind of the circle of life. It's kind of, kind of a cool thing. <laughs> but here's the thing that we're doing as a, uh, all, all 100 churches are exploring the I am statements that, that Jesus made in, in the book of John. And he said several of them, which ties into the whole I am of who God said when Moses said, hey, God, who's am I supposed to tell, sent me to uh, bring people out of Egypt? He said, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent me. And when Jesus makes these statements, he is, he is in essence saying, I am God. I am one with the Father, right? And it's, it's, it's really an awesome thing. But this week, we're going to explore what he said, I am the door. Now, when I hear this and I, and I read this, man, you get a kind of a cursory reading of I'm the door. Well, it kind of makes sense. You know, he's the door and he says, I'm the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and, and basically that, that no one can take my sheep out of my hand. I know them. They, they follow me. They hear my voice, right? You hear those kind of things. And, and, and yet, for some reason, when we don't explore this, and see this in Old Testament, New Testament, and even when Jesus comes back in Revelation, there's this common language that you'll hear about being the door. Something about, something about doors opening and closing, the way Jesus wants us to go through them is, is pretty amazing. And what, I, what I've discovered is that Jesus is like, hey, listen, by the way, the door that I'm opening, the door that I am, the door that if you open it, this is the way to life, but there's a whole lot of doors that you can, you can open, that you're going to try to get fulfillment. And by the way, I, I'm, I struggle sometimes with this too. I know that God is absolutely true. The word of God is absolutely true. Jesus himself has like everything, like he is, he is it, right? He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the, the one who created absolutely everything we see, the word that became flesh. I get it, right? But I still have these thoughts because I, because I, I, as I'm walking with the Lord, there are just things that I see. I'm like, man, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe I could get some fulfillment out of that, man. That'd be kind of cool for some of us. Like, and it's not exclusive to these things, but for some of us, it's, if I could just get that degree. So for some of us, if we're single, if I could just find a spouse, if I could just become a parent, right? If I could just live in this house or this neighborhood, if I could just get this, get this, uh, accomplishment or achievement, if I could just make this amount of, of money. Uh, for some of us, and this is going to sound really weird, and every time I talk about it, I get in trouble, and I'm going to get in trouble about it again. 
But for some of us, we try to find fulfillment in studying the Bible and memorizing. Now, we should be doing that as disciples, but we should be doing this out of a love for Jesus, right? That we want to pursue him and we want to know who he is. But for some of us, we want to simply obtain knowledge. And, and Jesus actually confronted people called Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, teachers of the law, that really many of them had the entire Old Testament memorized, right? Sadducees thought the first five books were just it, so they memorized that. But some of the Pharisees had the entire law and the prophets of the Old Testament completely memorized. It's amazing. And yet, Jesus was not impressed. Here's what he said in John 5. You pour over the scriptures, verse 39 and 40, because you think you have eternal life in them. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, what I, one thing I love about Jesus, he just does not play. Man, he, he, he sees the need, he sees the heart, and he like pokes at where he needs to poke. You, you, you study the scriptures, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. In some, some translations that as if those will save you, yet they testify about me. And you're not willing to come to me so that you may have, have life. See, he's saying, you can read them. You can study them. You can memorize them. You can even teach them. But if you're not coming to me, it's big deal, right? You're all dead in 100 years anyway, right? By the way, isn't that a great thing? I always say that. People are like, I can't believe you said that. We're all dead in 100 years. What difference is it going to make after that, right? If we do all these things but actually don't love Jesus, actually don't pursue a relationship with him, actually don't walk through the door he is. Amen. See, Solomon, my favorite Old Testament uh, book or letter, if you will, writing is a book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is so great, and it means so much to me because it helped me to explain some things to people that I love when I was first really like, oh my gosh, Jesus actually rose from the dead and he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. And I was so excited. People were like, yeah, well, how come bad things happen to good people? I'm like, oh, oh, I don't know. And then I would read Ecclesiastes and Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes happened to be the most wealthy person in history. Make guys like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, all these guys look like paupers, right? And so Solomon wrote these things and he goes, man, it really stinks that good things happen to happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. And it really stinks that some people really work hard and never seem to accomplish anything, and some people seem to do nothing and have all kinds of money. He, he wrote those things down. He goes, it's not really fair. In fact, Solomon said, like, he, he even wrote down things that he tried. He tried uh, things like achieving things. He wanted wisdom. He tried, like, planting vineyards and, and, and developing real estate. And he, he did farming and entertainment and riches and sex and fame. Like, he tried it all. Like, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And he had the money to do it, to pursue everything in the world that could potentially give fulfillment of any kind. And at the it, throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, man, this ain't worth it. This is all just meaningless. In fact, 217, he said, therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. For everything is futile and a pursuit of the wind. Some translations say it's a chasing of the wind, right? Like it doesn't lead to anything, right? And, and I love what he has to say over 
and over and over in Ecclesiastes. It's like, you could try this, you could try this, you could try this, you could try this. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, the summary is, pursue God to get what you are actually looking for. And I love that, right? I hear people say, you know, Ecclesiastes is kind of depressing. I'm like, actually, kind of encouraging to me because it kind of says the same thing. It's like, yeah, that we can pursue all these things. In John 10, where Jesus talks about being the door, right? He equates himself and compares himself to being a, a shepherd that sheep hear his voice. Now, something I found out this week that I thought was very interesting. By the way, has anybody ever been a sheep herder? And I'm not talking about a pastor or a shepherd, or like a spiritual flock. I'm talking about like eh, eh, sheep, like the ones that make the, the actual noises, right? Some of you guys may do that, but I'm talking about the real sheep and everything. Has anybody ever done that? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding after studying this is that sheep will actually hear the voice of the shepherd that they know. Like I could come around and behind a shepherd that has been shepherding a flock of sheep. I could say the exact same thing, try to make the exact same voice intonations, and they would not follow me because they don't know my voice. I had no idea about that. And so when it makes total, like a whole lot more sense when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's incredible to me. I love that, right? And so here's what he's, he's talking about being the door. And he's comparing this door to the sheep pen, basically. I assure you, starting in verse 1 of John 10, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. By the way, a lot of people equate that to Jesus talking about the devil. He's talking about the religious people here. And I, 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 by the way, I love Jesus for that, that he protects us and, and stands up to the bullies on our behalf. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and, and the sheep hear his what? Voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to him. And he's talking about the religious guys, the guys that said, hey, this is how you do it. This is what you do. This is what this means. It's all about, no, has nothing to do with love, has everything to do with this, 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 and this kind of legalistic type of stuff. And Jesus is like, man, they're all whack. They came through the wrong door. They're coming into the sheep pen in the wrong way. And they came, listen to what he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief, come, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Whew, right? And all God's people said, man, let's go, church. So we'll wrap this up here in just a little bit. And I've got some things I want to share with you. Uh, we're going to do something we don't normally do. God has called us to reach the lost, right? And he's also called us in, in so many ways to mature the found, right? Like We're not just going to sit and, and have church stuff and we're going to actually 
ask people and show people what it means to grow in the Lord, grow in maturity, grow in what it means to be a disciple, grow in obedience. And here's the thing. We haven't done this in a long time, and I got challenged on this over the last month or so. How come we never do that? Well, you know, it's just one of those deals. We're going to do an old school altar call today. Let's go. Some of you guys have volunteered to help some people in. So here's what we're going to do. We have a couple people up here, a couple people on the side. And I love this. And I don't, uh, here's the thing. I want people to come forward. If they, if, if you haven't made a decision for Jesus, let's go. People are waiting to hear you. If you want to confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe sincerely in your heart that he has risen from the grave, you're saved. That's great. Some of us have been saved for a while and, and we've lost that romance. We've lost that, that genuine heartfelt excitement of what it means to follow Jesus, right? And you need to confess that and you need to talk to somebody about that. Some of us don't even know that we've lost that. We, we have been so churched for so long we've said man you know what i got this that's a dangerous spot to be in man because here's the thing no matter if you're a veteran or if you're a brand new gonna confess jesus as lord today it's going to be a lifetime of learning if you've got 10 days left of your life or 10 decades left of your life but here's the question i want us to to honestly be asking ourselves and and be asking god to to share, the, like, open your heart about this, right? But am I, am I walking through any door that is not Jesus? Jesus can open doors for me. I can kick some doors down. In fact, I kind of think that's fun sometimes. I'm just a weirdo, though. The fact of the matter is, Jesus says, I'm it. And here's something he says, and it's not going to be on your screen. I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to pray this scripture over you. This is one of the most amazing scriptures that I've ever heard when it comes to the, the personality of who Jesus is and what he wants from us. Revelation 3, verse 20 and 21. Not on your screens, I hope. Is it not, right? I want you to just listen to this. Because this is at the end of of days and he's judging the church right and the different churches if you will and he's just told one of the churches that I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold you, you need to pick a side you're kind of wishy-washy in your, in your thinking and your faith right and I could easily go into a you don't want to be chunks of vomit in G- out of Jesus' mouth do you no no like, we got to understand who he is, right? And we got to pick a side and we got to make a decision, man. Am I, am I going through the doors? Am I hot or cold? Am I, am I, am I lukewarm? Because that's what Jesus said. You're neither one. But then he follows it up with this. And I, this is what is amazing to me about Jesus. Yes, he's the judge. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he should absolutely have 
incredible fear that in awe and majesty that we go, wow, like should knock us to our knees, absolutely. But then he says this, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. That is, is ridiculous. And I mean that in the most respectful way to Jesus. That is ridiculous. The, the, the creator of everything we see, the alpha, the omega, the one that's going to judge everything. The, the one who every knee will bow. He's like, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You've got to make a decision. You're lukewarm. But any person that opens this door and listens to my voice, I will come in and not judge you, not condemn you, not, hey, you remember you did this, this, and this. You better tell me, tell me you're sorry. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to come in and have dinner with you. That's crazy. Who is this God that we get to serve? I'm going to come in and eat with you. I'm going to, man, let's sit down and have a cheeseburger, okay? That's beautiful, man. But there's more. Like the old, like the old commercial, like the ShamWow commercials. But wait, there's more. Verse 21. To the victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne. <laughs> Just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. This is getting to the point of beyond ridiculous now. Not only is he not going to condemn, not only is he not going to, he just wants to be with you and me. Not only has all that happened, but Jesus also says, you get some royal treatment with me on my throne with me just like I do. This is nuts, man. But that's who the God that we serve is. That's why people have a hard time coming to Jesus. That's why people so many times will spend so much time doing this and this and this on behalf of Jesus without actually having a relationship with Jesus because they can't possibly believe that Jesus would want to be with a knucklehead like me and a knucklehead like you. No offense. But we're all knuckleheads, right? And these are the things we've got to be thinking through. Like, will I walk through this door? Once and for all, enough said, enough done. Am I willing to walk through it? Amen. And so if you need to rededicate, if you need to confess, if you need to say, I want to know Jesus now, I never have. Guys, we got people on the east side of this. Let's go. Somebody's got to come up, right, and say, I need this now. I got to do this. Father, we love you. And we're amazed by you. We're, you are incredible, you are beautiful, you are awesome, and you sent your son Jesus to show us how it's done. May we never take that for granted. May we stop kind of peeking inside new doors here and new doors here that you haven't directed us to. May we stop that, Lord. And may we fully confess that we are, yeah, we're not worthy, but we are amazed at what you've done and who you are. 
God, we love you. We trust you. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. In your son Jesus' name, we pray these things. Everybody on Facebook said amen. Everybody in here said amen.